Babu. You know, I've got to tell you, I never do this, but the shrimp, it's just, it's a little stringy. You have any chicken? The shrimp is stringy? Well, maybe you're a fridge. Quiet! <laughs> no, I... You shut up! Well, I... You make me change restaurant, but nobody come. You say, make Pakistani. Babu Bhatt have only Pakistani restaurant. But where are people? You see people? Show me people. There are no people. But well, I don't want to be a secondary character. <laughs> Cassis Belly. What does that mean? Uh, I think I've got it in my trivia notes, actually. It means, Stephen... Uh, I know it's Latin. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It just sounds good. Yeah, uh, my <laughs> IQ is too low <laughs> to know what that means. What's your IQ? Uh, I don't know. I've never taken an IQ test. What about you? Uh, I think the last time I did an online one, it was about 120. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, above average. Mine's probably around 85. <laughs> 85. 85, Ivan, 85. Well, actually, I took that test for you, but I accidentally spilled rigatoni on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of screwed that one up. Did you use you. the window or the door? Uh, the window, of course. <laughs> the well, door? <laughs> the door. <laughs> the window's right there. Yes. Welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, a Seinfeld podcast where we talk about the secondary characters from the greatest sitcom of all time. My name is Ivan. I'm Stephen. And this is our 98th ever episode. We are two away from our 100th, which I am very excited about. It has been an incredible achievement. And boy, Stephen, hasn't it been a great month for us so far? Yeah, things are going well. Yeah, so far, so good. So, you know, when the Australian Podcast Awards happen and we lose the nomination and then people forget about us for another year, we can just ride the wave right now and uh, enjoy what's on the Dream Cafe menu. We are in the Dream Cafe, I feel. Is that yeah, what you feel? Yeah, I feel like we live in the dream. Yeah, that's right. Whatever we, that dream may we be. We have our tacos, moussaka and our franks and beans. That's right. And this week we are doing the cafe, in case you haven't picked that up already. A classic episode, I'd say. Yeah, very and, good uh, episode, actually. Yeah, yeah, I really, I like this one a lot. A lot of good laughs. Season three, episode seven. And uh, this is the introduction to one of the most, uh, I guess, memorable and uh, well-liked secondary characters, Babu Butt. And I think probably Babu's best performance out of the three episodes he's in. I think this is the episode with the most Babu in it. Yes. And I it sort of so. sets him up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, every line he delivers in this episode is great. Yeah, he's actually... Originally, because we have done a What's the Deal with episode on Babu, and he wad, he didn't make my top 20 secondary characters, but this time, he uh, I'll say it now, he's snuck into my top 20. Okay. I feel like this episode was perfect. Like, he's just really polite at the start of the episode. He takes Jerry's advice, and then Jerry suggests get, you know becoming Pakistani or making the restaurant Pakistani. Jerry doesn't suggest that Bobby but become Pakistani. No, no that's <laughs> no, right. Just the way you said that made it sound like that. <laughs> Change your race, uh, damn it. <laughs> Change your nationality. Um, yes, and and then he just becomes so frustrated after the renovation, and he shuts down and blames Jerry, and he just turns. That's right. It's a it's a it's a good little arc. Yeah, bit of a one eighty. It sure is for him. Unfortunately, yes. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at bidwabasspodcast at gmail dot com. You can say hello on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Reddit. Uh, you can listen to this episode and all previous episodes and all future episodes on any podcast service. Uh, and if you want to rate us or review us or subscribe to us or tell other people about us, all of those things or one of those things, preferably all, would be amazing. And uh, finally, we are on Patreon. So if you want to head to patreon.com forward slash B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C, 
you can check out our tiers and for various dollars per month you can get uh, lots of goodies lots of bonuses lots of bonuses indeed yeah bonus episodes early access to Bidwell Basket episodes yada 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 that's right um, other secondary characters Steve that we'll talk about are uh, George's episode girlfriend Monica played by Dawn Arneman and also I've got a few notes on Angry Man he's the guy who uh, Kramer's took the jacket from two yeah, years ago yeah he's another unseen character oh he is yes so I was going to suggest to you that we did him uh, next week uh, next week we're doing uh, all the unseen characters for what's the deal yeah that's right we are so I, I figured maybe we should include him on there but he is in other episodes too so maybe we can who knows yeah well actually the actor um, he's in uh, I think 13 other episodes oh there you go yeah, so there you go yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll get a mention next week at least okay sure yeah that sounds good alright let's get on with the episode uh, we'll start off with Seinfeldia so we have a little desk calendar called Seinfeldia and uh, every week uh, Ivan reads a random fact from it so what have you got for us this week alright so this week the real Kenny Kramer met Michael Richards during during the show's third season and he liked him even though others who spent almost every day on the set with Michael Richards felt as though that they didn't know him the two bonded over being single fathers to teenage daughters huh there you go that's a nice little uh, thing to bond over yes two uh, two wacky dudes I like it yes uh, Seinfeldisms our next section uh, nothing for me today nothing for you no. this week because we're, we're actually recording on Good Friday yeah <laughs> We're recording a bit earlier. Yeah, so we recorded our Frogger episode three days ago, so we're recording this one now. So, no, nothing much has happened in the last three days. How about yourself, buddy? Yeah, I've got one. So the other day I saw a New York Yankees cap. Ah, okay. Which are pretty common these days. Cool. Um, and they always have been common, but uh, there is one in Jerry's apartment, so I figured close enough. And pretty much everyone who wears them in Australia doesn't follow baseball. No. I think it's the, the logo and the symbol. I think it's just synonymous with American culture. It's, it's like the McDonald's of sports logos. Pretty much. The Yankees, a very big franchise and a billion-dollar brand. Mm. Yeah. Yep. So they do it right. Yeah, okay, cool. But it's related to Seinfeldism, so that's why... Uh, Seinfeld, so that's why I included them. <laughs> Good work. Uh, Seinfeld News? Uh, Seinfeld News. How many do you have this week or today, uh, Three, actually. So oh, the last few right. weeks yeah. have been pretty slim, but this week we're back on the more than one yeah. uh, news article. Yes. Yeah, so to kick things off, uh, some major updates regarding actress uh, Laurie Lachlan and her husband, uh, Massimo Giannulli, Ooh. and their involvement in the college admissions scandal that so, broke last week, mm, or yeah. a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, so they're off to prison very soon. Uh, well, she's actually... Well, both of them have pled not guilty to uh, charges of bribery and money laundering. So it's going to a jury. How exciting. Yeah. So um, their defense is that they claim that they thought the bribes were the only way, the quote, the only way to get their daughters into college. Okay. Um, I would have thought that they would have figured out that you can just apply to get into college, but uh, apparently not. Yeah, and you can just, yeah, apply and you don't need to pay any money and hopefully yeah. on merit you get accepted. So I'm calling bullshit on that defence. It's pretty weak, but we'll see how they go. We'll see. Uh, but quite a bit of information's come out the last week regarding uh, the case itself and uh, Laurie Lachlan and her husband and her daughter, actually. So... Um, a source close to the family says that Laurie first heard of the scandal's alleged ringleader, uh, William Singer, after he helped other kids uh, cheat their way into colleges. Um, but Laurie didn't know that his methods were full of, quote, lies. So oh. all this sounds a bit... All <laughs> sounds, this sounds a bit dodgy, a bit, doesn't it? Sounds a bit bullshit to me. Yeah. Um, People magazine reported that according to that source that Laurie heard about Rick from a friend. Laurie was told that Rick was, quote, the best. Yeah. Um, and he was known for being creative, but it seemed Laurie that uh, it seemed Laurie had no idea that he engaged in bribes and lies. 
Additional to that, a source for Entertainment Tonight added that the, quote, couple claim that they're under the impression that they might be breaking rules, but not laws. Okay. So, I'm guessing that that means maybe college admission rules, but not federal or state laws. But ignorance isn't a defense. No. (laughs) And even if you didn't know that there was a specific law, surely you would think that bribing a college to get your daughters in would if you were caught, have some sort of ramification. Like, that, that's yeah, that's such yeah. a bullshit defence. That's probably the mentality of upper-class America or some people in upper-class. They think, oh, if I just pay money, it's okay. Yeah, maybe. You know what I mean? That is, maybe they think that's just normal. Yeah, just I part mean... part of society. I don't want to speculate on behalf of her, but... It, it sounds like that that's the only defense that they can conjure up because the case, the case from the prosecution side is pretty, pretty much airtight. Yeah, you know, And it's yeah. just the weakest defense that they can come up with. So they're not going to have a pretty strong case, you don't no, think, based I, on I, the evidence at hand? I, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> and in addition to all of that, uh, she's been fired from all of her projects. Uh, so she's currently on a series, I didn't catch the name of it, on the Hallmark Channel. And she's not expected... Uh, she was prior to being charged, but she's not going to appear on the forthcoming final season of Fuller House. Oh, there you go. Another 90s icon who's been fired. That's right. Um, she can join Roseanne in the uh, unemployment. Queue. Yeah. <laughs> in the bin. <laughs> in the bin. <laughs> in the bin. Nah, it's a bit harsh. Yeah. Um, metaphorical bin. Um Actually, they're, they're pretty rich. It's probably like a really nice smelling bin with like a, you know, a really fragrant liner and yeah, yeah. it's full of, I don't know, it's probably got a couch in there and stuff. Yeah, pla- you know, like full flat screen TV. Yeah, a luxurious bin. Yeah, it'd be nice. Uh, in addition to that, because of this, they'll now be audited by the IRS, which is the American tax, uh, the government organization in America that, that deals with taxes. Oh, you don't want to be audited by them. No. God damn. No, no, no. Uh, because they wrote off the bribes as a deduction. <laughs> So, this just gets better and better, or worse and worse. It does. And finally, the cherry on top, their daughter, one of the um, uh, one of the ladies admitted into college via these bribes, um, is also reportedly under a criminal investigation because she apparently knew of the whole thing as it was happening. Oh, my God. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be a pretty tough case. I think so. Tough nut to crack. And in case you're probably wondering, Laurie Lachlan, what's that got to do with Seinfeld? She played one of Jerry's episode girlfriends uh, in the Serenity Now yep, in season that's right. nine. So, yeah. That's right. So, a lot of news in the last week over this, and uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot more coming up, which I'll keep you updated with as it happens. <laughs> Nice. So, on to something a bit more lighthearted. Uh, Dominic Nardone, he's a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Maple Leafs, who are an NHL or American uh, or Canadian hockey team. Yes. Um, and in honour of uh, his team pride and also the Maple Leafs having a really good playoff run because it's currently the NHL playoffs. That's right. Stanley I, Cup coming up soon. That's right. Yeah. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning were swept in four and they had a record-breaking season and mm-hmm. they were swept in four games. Wow. Um, by, I think, the last qualifying team in the playoffs. Yeah. They were swept 4-0, which was just one of the biggest upsets in NHL history. Oh, that's I incredible. Keep, yeah. I keep mine tabs on NHL because I've got this weird distant interest in it because I went and saw a hockey game in Canada a few years ago. So yeah. ever since then, I'm like, I keep up to date every so often. I watch NHL as well. I've got like um, Foxtel Sports. Yeah. And yeah, I, I just watch like ice hockey. Ice hockey is pretty fun. It's fun. Yeah, it I like good. it. It's yeah. Cool. Cool lots, of, lots of violence. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty rough. Do they still have that rule where if one player wants to fight the other player, they just take their gloves off and they punch on? There was like this gentleman's agreement where if a fight was to initiate, it had to be one-on-one. They were able to spend like 30 seconds punching on and then both of them would get sent to the bin for like five minutes. The way sports organizations deal with violence these days, which is pretty harshly, Mm. they don't really tolerate it. I doubt that that would still be a thing. Okay. Because I remember that was a thing back in the day. Even in the old hockey video games, you could do that. You Mm. could actually get into a fight and you could like punch for like... 
10 to 20 seconds. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, it may, it may well be, but I'd be surprised if that is not a thing anymore. Okay. If you're a hockey fan, tell us, does that rule still apply, the one-on-one fights? Let yeah. us know. I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't stop people fighting if they really wanted to, but uh, I think there'd be pretty harsh pe- penalties if they took the gloves off and punched on. Yeah, I haven't seen one for a very long time, a fight. Yeah. But, yeah, but you're right, it probably doesn't exist. But no. like I said, if you are a fan, let us know if that still happens. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Dominic Nardone, like I said, he's a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and in honour of uh, the Maple Leafs' excellent playoff run and season run, he decided to make himself up as a Maple Leafs fan, a la David Putty, in uh, the... What's that episode The called? Face Paint. The Face Paint. The um, Maples! And what he's, what he's done, he's actually a videographer and a graphic designer. Uh-huh. He's actually inserted himself into the scene <laughs> where David first comes out and shocks Elaine when he's wearing the full devil's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, face paint and get up. Yeah, yeah. And he's put himself in there and it looks legit. Like it's such good special effects work. It doesn't look like a dodgy, you know, he just filmed himself in front of a crappy yeah, green yeah. screen and inserted himself into it. Um, it's pretty it's, good. It's pretty really, really awesome. Oh, my God, I have to watch it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really awesome. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah, so that was pretty fun. Oh, that's fun. And finally, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus appeared through the week on Late Night with Seth Meyers, and uh, she talked about a history on SNL, um, the latest season of Veep, which just wrapped up filming a month or two ago. Um, and also how the changing political climate in America over the last sort of like three or four years has changed the tone of the show. She, she mentioned that um, when the show started, her character as vice president at the time and now president yeah. was quite inept and just sort of awkward and maybe even corrupt. I've never really seen the show. but Yeah, because it came out during the Obama era, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But now with uh, Trump as president, mm. the, the beginnings of the show and the storylines seem tame by comparison. To, so to sort of, <laughs> so to sort of relatively match... In comparison match, to real life. Yeah, so <laughs> they've, had, they've had to make the show more and more weird and extreme to sort of relatively match the, uh, the weirdness that is current American politics. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and she did talk about her son... Charlie making an appearance on the show. He apparently plays a uh, early twenties, uh, a young man who's the inappropriately uh, young boyfriend for a fifty-something-year-old music executive on the show. Okay, right. Um, and he actually appeared on Late Night with Seth Meyers. He sort of he's backstage with um, with Julia. With, uh, well, she's on the show. Oh, and it was they cut to him backstage. Oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. I think he just came along to support his mum or oh, something. All right, sure. And sure, she wasn't sure. a guest, so but they do cut to him and they talk to him a bit. So that's oh. a fun little interview. So I'll put a link to that. Uh, to that interview as well as all the other news articles in the uh, in the podcast notes. And that's all the Seinfeld news. Very good, Stephen. Let's have a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the secondary characters from The Cafe, Season 3, Episode 7. Hi, this is Zach. And Aaron from Seinfeld Law. And uh, you are listening to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. Are you looking for a brand new conversation podcast? Well, you found it. My name's Ivan Pugioni, and in my relaunched podcast in Melbourne last week, I speak to everyday people who do extraordinary things. When you go into the, the inner workings of the story, you know, when you get into the nuts and bolts of stuff, even if you're going to have a story about escapism, you want the reader to easily relate to things. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much wherever else you can get your podcasts. Welcome back to this week's episode. We are talking about the cafe, and Ivan's going to take you through the plot. The plot, yes. Tacos, moussaka, franks and beans, <laughs> what a variety of foods. First aired in the US on November 6th, 1991, the year grunge broke. Directed by Tom Sharones and written by Tom Leopold. Jerry becomes fascinated with a failing local el- eclectic restaurant. Oh, I said electric restaurant. 
Electric Boogaloo. I don't, I don't think it's electric at all. No, I don't think so at all. Uh, called the Dream Cafe. And befriends its Pakistani owner, Babu Butt, played by Brian George. Trying to turn the restaurant into a success, Jerry convinces Babu to change the decor and menu into a Pakistani restaurant. However, the restaurant does no better. He angrily blames Jerry for the failure. Meanwhile, George's girlfriend, Monica, played by Dawn Arneman, asks him to take an IQ test for her education, co- education course. Sorry, Worried about being embarrassed by the score, he asks Elaine to secretly take it for him. The plan backfires after Elaine takes the test at the Dream Cafe, where she is distracted by Jerry, who insists she order food to support Babu. I'll have the rigatoni. Yeah. Uh, Kramer, who Very keeps, good choice. Very good choice. Kramer, who keeps asking her questions about the test, and Babu, who spills food on it, um, cause Elaine to not complete the test in time. Okay. Due to the distraction, she ends up with a low score of 85. George begrudgingly agrees to allow Elaine to retake the test, which she does at Jerry's apartment. But just as she's about to leave, Kramer locks himself in after being chased by his mother's ex-boyfriend, off-screen, uh, for stealing his jacket, thereby trapping Elaine as well. By the time Elaine gets to Monica's house to give George the test, the test time is up and their plan is discovered. I hope you do better this time. <laughs> That Monica says to Elaine. Yeah. Um, the group notice that the Dream Cafe has been forced to close and they wonder where to go for dinner. Oh, Mexican. No, I want this. I, I want, want Chinese. Chinese. You know what would be good? You know what would be good? And then they just turn to it. <laughs> and they're like, uh. That's a, it's a funny little last scene. It is. They each argue in favour of a different type of cuisine. And like you said, when Jerry says, you know what would be great? Implying it would be great to have an eclectic restaurant nearby. And others give him a look of disdain. Um, the only other secondary character... Uh, as I mentioned before, is the uncredited voice of Deck McKenzie, who plays Angry Man, the guy who wants his jacket back from Kramer. Bit of trivia about the episode, Steve. What have you got? Uh, so Felicity Hoffman, the actress, uh, auditioned unsuccessfully for the role of Monica. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And now she's being tried for uh, for fraud. No, no. Along with Laurie Loughlin. Oh, yeah, she's yeah. still. <laughs> like we mentioned say, before. I was about to say, no, no, that's Laurie Loughlin. <laughs> no, no, uh, and also yeah, Felicity yeah, Huffman's yeah, yeah. involved too. Yeah. yeah, that's right. There you go. She's gone places. Yeah. Uh, did you know, Stephen, that Jerry and Elaine, you know how you ask what Cassus Belli actually means? It's a Latin phrase meaning a case for war. It's the justification that one nation, not Pauline Hansen, uh, uses when going into war with another. Yeah, she's got no justification for her wars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's what it means. Oh, there you go. Mm. Uh, this is actually the first episode to have applause by the studio audience uh, as Kramer enters the scene. There you go. Yeah. So it happened when Kramer enters the Dream Cafe when he first comes in, when uh, Elaine and Jerry are there, as opposed to his normal entrance into Jerry's apartment where he sort of slides in or makes some sort of <laughs> weird or funny or quirky or theatrical entrance. Well, at least he does make a entrance or an entrance. So yeah, that's true. Not too bad. Did you know, Stephen, that Babu Butt was originally going to be named Vong Sim in early drafts of the script? That's right. So and I'm guessing it would have been a Vietnamese restaurant. Well, funny that you mentioned that because the plot of the episode was completely based on writer's Tom, uh, writer Tom Leopold's experience. Uh, when he was growing up, he lived near a real dream cafe, and uh, the restaurant was Cambodian, but it was run by a Vietnamese man oh, okay. by the name of Vong Sim. There you go. But they decided for some reason, I couldn't find out why, to change uh, the restaurant to initially eclectic and then Pakistani and be run and owned by Babu Butt, not Vong Sim. Oh, maybe they were looking for someone from any background. Yeah. And Brian George happened to fit the role. Yeah, maybe who he knows? was just the best actor who auditioned, and they sort of just went with, uh, even though he's not, I think he's Israeli. Uh, he's, I think, Indian ethnicity. City, but he's Israeli British. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, sure. so yeah. That's, that's a whole other discussion. And did you know that also Kramer's jacket uh, story actually has an arc? 
Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? In the previous episode, The Parking Garage, he tells the story of getting the jacket to George. Uh, in the next episode, The Tape, Kramer again mentions the man saying he's been put in jail for mail fraud. <laughs> so there's a bit of a story arc there. Yeah. Interesting. And I, I did mention at the start that we should talk about him next week, at least briefly, because he's right, technically an unseen character. We will, yes. Yeah, so we'll talk about, about him in the context of this episode, but we'll talk about his general arc next week. Sounds good. Uh, all right, let's do some secondary characters. Well, actually, one more trivia fact that oh. I had. Um, we actually find out in the episode The Nose Job of George's SATs, his score. Oh, that's right. Yes, 820, which <sighs> I, I think it's... Uh, I'm not familiar with SATs. We don't have them in Australia. I think but it's 600 I think that's pretty to 1,600. Bad. Okay. I, think, I think the minimum is 600 and the maximum... Is, I know the maximum is 1,600. Because he says 14, 1490, doesn't he? 1409 or 1409, 14 yeah, 14 yeah. something. And which Jerry's is like, quite That's quite pretty exceptional. good score. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. that's on the higher end. I'm pretty sure the minimum is 600. Yeah, okay. Um, so 800 is definitely so in the I'll, lower in end. In the lower end, yeah. yeah. And Elaine's IQ score is 145 and then becomes 151. Uh, an IQ of 150 or more is con- considered Mensa. Level. Wow. So Elaine could have joined, if she took an official test, she could have joined Mensa. I have a feeling that the Mensa IQ test would probably be a lot harder. Probably, but That's yeah. not to say that Elaine isn't intelligent, because mm. she's a very intelligent character. Oh, yeah, of And we've talked about that quite a lot yes. um, over our time. But, uh, yeah, I feel like the standard for Mensa would be a bit higher than just a, a, an IQ test given sort of by someone who's studying education. But Mensa would at least give her the opportunity. I think so, yeah. She would qualify to have a crack, for sure. Oh, absolutely, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, Bubble Bart. Bubble Bart. So we have talked about him, as I mentioned before, in a separate episode what's the deal with Babu Bhatt I don't remember what number it is but just go through our feed and you'll find it yep. um, so we'll just talk about Babu more in the context of this episode um, so he is played by British actor Brian George uh, Brian's appeared in the films Keeping the Faith Hotel Transylvania and Batman The Killing Joke he's also appeared in a recurring role in The Big Bang Theory and he's lent his voice for several animated TV shows and uh, his character has appeared in the episodes The Visa and The Finale where he testifies against Jerry that's right Yes, very good. You're very good, man. <laughs> yeah, so Babu Bhatt, I mean, I think when we did the What's the Deal from memory, I think we were saying that the reason why he opened the Dream Cafe was he wanted to uh, fit in in America. I yeah, think he probably think- saw Pakistani food as a bit too alienating for the community. Um, so Yeah, I mean, you kind of get that impression in this episode. Jerry convinces him that being the only Pakistani restaurant in the neighborhood is a good thing rather yes. than a bad thing. Yeah. I think initially he thinks that being Pakistani and being a Pakistani restaurateur mm. would work against him because maybe people weren't, yeah. you know, they weren't curious enough to try it. They, they saw it as too foreign or too weird to even consider eating it. Yeah, that's right. But then for some reason, Jerry changes his mind because he puts a lot of trust and faith into Jerry. He, uh, he does, yeah. Uh, well, at least initially. Uh, initially, yes. <laughs> and then he gets burned very quickly. <laughs> very quickly. And he uh, divests yeah. any faith or trust he has in him very quickly. I can understand as well, especially with Jerry, I can imagine that there'd be a lot of disdain with the plot, especially with like the white saviour kind of plot. You know, yeah. Jerry coming in being the white knight. Saying, yep. I'll save you, foreign man. But I think you know we I mean? did touch on this, not the white saviour concept uh, specifically, mm. but we did talk about uh, whose responsibility is it for the restaurant's failure. I think we Jerry, did, yeah, I mean, yeah, Jerry yeah. just sort of lightly proposes, like, oh, hey, how about this as an idea? He doesn't come in there as a serious, uh, you know, he doesn't come in there sort of flying the flag of the, being a saviour. He just suggests yeah. it as an offhand comment of... Hey, maybe you should try this. Have I got a proposition for you? Yeah, like he doesn't he doesn't come in there with the yeah, intention right. of saving it. No. He he just throws it out there as an idea. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. really Babu's responsibility to to consider 
whether it's a good idea or not. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's not to say that Jerry is blameless mm, no, or is no. not connected, but ultimately Babu Butt is an intelligent man. Yeah, of course. And he should have been a bit more maybe considered yeah. of Jerry's idea. So, yeah. I don't think the white saviour concept really holds really up. really sticks? No, because Jerry doesn't come in there with that intention. He yeah, comes in yeah, there to yeah. eat because he's curious and he's kind of obsessed with it mm. and he feels sorry for him. And he doesn't he doesn't suggest the idea is like this is what you have to do. Yeah, right. He just sort of throws it out there and, mm. and then Babu just latches onto it yeah. and, and dives headfirst into it. And I think Babu as well, he's just so desperate for ideas. Yeah. He hasn't had any patrons. Literally the first one's Jerry followed by Elaine. I've and got then a Kramer. Yeah, I've got he's a feeling got a, that if, yeah. if someone else came in there and suggested a different idea He'd probably take it. He'd probably take it. Yeah. So I He was just desperate. I think I think blame should be uh, a portion to both of them. Yeah. Whatever percentage that is is you know, up to you mm. or, you know, you as an individual person. But I don't think Jerry is to blame solely. Do you think if Babu opened a Pakistani restaurant in 2019 in that area, that would blow up? I, I think it would be really successful. Because obviously, sure. tastes these days, they're more eclectic, mm. especially yeah, in 2019 compared to 1991. To... You know, everyone's more open to different cuisines and True. stuff. Plus, we're becoming more of a multicultural society, especially in New York, where it's like a multicultural hotpot. Yeah, different nationalities and races and stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, think it would really work. I mean, New York City's always been known, and Queens especially, even though Jerry lives in uh, Manhattan, Manhattan. Yeah, but uh, Queens is considered the most multicultural town or city on earth. Literally, oh, wow, it's got okay. the most. It's got the most representation of different cultures and races. Bigger on than earth. Melbourne, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know how that's quantified, but I've heard that before. That oh. it's considered the most multicultural part of any city or any neighborhood or whatever on earth. All right, great. Um, so I think. You know, I'm assuming that there is a, at least a small, or was, or probably is a small Pakistani community or enclave within Queens or within New York City. So maybe in the early 90s, Bobby Butt's restaurant would have been successful if he opened up within the community of Pakistanis or, or you know, neighbouring countries around him. Yeah. Maybe Indians or Sri Lankans. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But maybe Manhattan wasn't as uh, as eclectic. I don't know what it's like these days. I've never been. Yeah. But Manhattan feels like more of a place of high-end restaurants. If it was like a high-end fine dining Pakistani restaurant or eclectic restaurant, I think it would have done okay. Might have worked, But just like yeah. your neighbourhood, local, sort of authentic restaurant, I think would have been more successful if it was in the neighbourhood where wherever Pakistanis lived or live now <laughs> in, in, in New York City. Oh, it's funny because Jerry makes an offhand comment at the end of the episode saying, I think it's the location. Yeah. So he's probably got a good point. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. was kind of half half serious about it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, a good idea, but just bad, bad location. Yeah. Why did he call it the Dream Cafe? I always thought it was because of the American Dream. Well, we did talk about that when we covered it. We him. did, yeah. Yeah. Jeez, yeah, no, I feel like I, I'm rehashing stuff from that episode. No, no, it's worth talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he. I think we theorized that he came to America sort of completely sold on the concept of the American Dream. Yeah, yeah. And this was just him manifesting that his dreams in a physical way yeah you know, it's it's a literal expression of what he saw as a better life mm-hmm. to yep. whatever he was living or however he was living in pakistan mm-hmm. so yeah definitely cool. nice um do you think he is i don't know I, don't, I can't remember if we talked about this but do you think his very obvious anger is justified towards jerry do you think he's in this episode at least not taking enough responsibility for his own decision. I Jerry think, didn't force him to. I think he's just so blinded by the fact that he's failed right. and he's not getting that much business and he's worked so hard to come to America and set up a restaurant and set, 
had to borrow extra money for the renovations. I just think it's really it's broken him. Yeah, you know, I think okay. you know you get to the point where your livelihood is affected. Yeah, you know, you you're so many thousands or tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars in the hole. Yep. and you're getting nothing to show for it. I think it just breaks a person. Yeah, that's true. So I guess you'd feel so much anger, you'd want to pin it on someone. And I think the fact that as well that despite all those failings the one thing that you know because you know it's usually a situation where if you're angry you're upset you're upset it's always that one little comment that makes you snap mm. so the fact that he says the prawn is a bit stringy right i mean the shrimp rather is a bit stringy and he goes the shrimp is a bit stringy and then that kind just, of his brain just goes Poof. yeah yeah the 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 stringy dried shrimp is the is the one is the uh so-called straw yeah the that last broke the straw pakistanis that, restaurants back that's right yes right yes. okay yeah that, mm. that, that makes sense yeah that that would be look yeah. that's all i really have on babu in this episode yeah that's and right. and again if you want to listen to a more comprehensive um discussion about him go back and listen to what's the deal with babu but yeah just scroll back through your feed and you'll find it and we're yet to do the visa and the finale episodes so yeah. when we do get to those we'll talk about him in the context of those episodes as for well. for sure yeah let's talk about monica george's episode girlfriend in this episode oh yeah played george's by... episode girlfriend in this episode yeah that's right in this series <laughs> episode <laughs> Girlfriend in this episode. Episode she's girlfriend in this, episode. in this girlfriend. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. Played by Dawn Arneman. Uh, she's known for appearing in Dave, Star Trek, The Next Generation, and About Last Night. Oh, huh. fancy. Uh, yeah, Monica, we don't see her too much. Um, I, I'm guessing she's probably like an academic or a research fellow at a university or something. What, what was your take? See, my theory was that she is a part-time... She was a full-time teacher. Okay, right. As she's, in like university or like No, college, just, just, or? just school. Oh, school. So okay, high like, school or primary school. Okay, right, right. And I think now she's studying... Uh, sorry, she's teaching part-time and studying full-time because ah. George mentions that she's doing her master's um, oh, yeah, yeah, into, right. I think it's study of education or something like that. Right. And he, she also mentions to George that she doesn't really put a lot of stock into IQ tests. Okay. Now, America, um, you know, the education system from, you know, from an outsider's point of view is quite big on IQ tests and sort of standardized testing. It's quite a normal metric for success. In, uh, in in America, or at least it was. Maybe it's not so much now. I'm not sure. Yeah. And the fact that she says to George that she doesn't put much stock into IQ tests, I've got a feeling that her master's thesis is maybe trying to disprove the effectiveness uh, effectiveness of IQ tests within uh, <laughs> primary and high school education. Yeah. Maybe to support the idea of replacing standardized testing with something a bit more subjective. Yeah, because there's a lot, a lot of criticism about IQ. Yeah, tests. Yeah, 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 yeah. There are. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, you know a lot of critics of yeah a lot of critics of IQ testing and just standardized testing in general. Yeah. The yeah. fact that it's too broad, it's too objective. It doesn't account for different life circumstances and all sorts of things. Mm. So I've got a feeling the fact that. I think she's using George as a test case or IQ testing as part of her thesis to disprove the effectiveness of them to support the idea of removing them and replacing them with something a bit more fair and, and up-to-date and legitimate. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I've got a feeling as well that she started her master's thesis. Maybe she was a primary school teacher yeah. and she saw all these kids failing standardized tests when she knew or when she knows that they have the, have the ability to, to do well but because of that testing model, they failed. Um, and maybe that inspired her to, you know, to study alternative methods of testing within American primary school. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Wow, you really unpacked it, didn't you? Well, I just thought the fact that she really makes a point to George that she doesn't place any importance on the results of IQ tests, I thought, well, why are you making George take one then? There's got yeah. to be a reason. There's got to be a reason. I think... So, no, well, I thought it was to disprove to, to effectiveness. That, yeah. But doesn't George say that... Um, he he claims that he's smarter than he actually is. Yeah, yeah. So it's probably to prove to her or to try and make 
her think that he's really smart. And because he considers the IQ test as like the standard, uh, like George does, that's why he probably thinks, oh, I better get a good score. Otherwise, all I've said about me, me being smart is all bullshit. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's not her motivation. She do- She's not giving George the IQ test to prove to her how intelligent he is or isn't. Mm. He's just worried that she'll think something about him yeah. based on his low score. And that's Typical why he has George. to cheat. Yeah, that's right. So I don't think that's her motivation or part of her consideration as to why she's giving George the test. Okay. I think he's just one of a number of people she's using the IQ test um, you know, in her, because I mean, a lot of the time in thesis studies, you do, uh, you know, whatever you're studying, you do surveys or tests or whatever on a whole group of people yeah. to to get a data set to support whatever your thesis is. And I think George is just one of many people that she's tested mm-hmm. to go towards her her idea of IQ tests being a bad idea within education. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. I I did not have all that information. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. And aside from that, uh, I think she's I think she's just quite conservative and a bit of a normie yep. like she dresses very just sort of she down dresses she's yeah, not yeah. she doesn't seem very edgy or exciting um she seems very nice and yeah, uh, she does yes and she seems a bit naive the fact that she buys into george's very obvious lies of i just jumped out the window and spilled coffee and and food uh, a sandwich in my pocket she's just like she's a bit dubious at first but then she yeah. goes oh okay you're a very mysterious man you're george. a very fascinating man george. yeah that's right i think uh, she's yeah. maybe a touch naive because most naive, most yeah. people who are a bit more cynical or distrusting wouldn't buy into that or would probe a bit more and go, uh, something's off here. But the fact <laughs> yeah. that she, it doesn't take much to convince her makes me think that maybe she's a bit, yeah, a bit naive. I just love how George puts it back on her. Yeah. Why don't you go through the door? Yeah. Why don't you go through the window? What do you think? I just love how he, th- he sees it as normal. Yeah. Like he says, he perceives it as like a normal thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, George is, a, George is a very convincing liar, a proud convincing liar. A pathological so liar. Yeah. I don't want to discredit him completely. <laughs> he has the ability to make people believe stuff that is normally unbelievable. That's right, yeah. He is a gaslighter. But at the same time, <laughs> she, I, I, a lot of people who are apparently as smart as her wouldn't believe such a far-fetched uh, story about no. how the how the test was stained. Nah, that wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, yeah. That's all I had on her. Do you have anything else? Ah, uh, no, that's it. Uh, so you wanted to talk about Angry Man next week, right? Uh, yeah, okay. I think so. I'll just say who he's played. By, yeah, sure. So his his credit. So voiced in an actually an uncredited role uh, by actor Dick McKenzie. Uh, he's also appeared in the film Starman and uh, the TV shows ER, uh, the 1984 version of the show, and Who's the Boss. Uh, and he has appeared in 13 separate episodes of Seinfeld as different characters. His most famous one was in The Sniffing Accountant. He was the bartender, Mitch. Oh, nice. Where Kramer says, I'll have a brewski, Charlie. <laughs> Name's Mitch. Yeah, he was Mitch. Awesome. Yeah, there you go. Cool. Yes. Yeah, well, we'll talk about him more next week because he's technically an unseen character. Yes. And if there's any other unseen characters that uh, you might know about, let us know because uh, we're trying to find as many as we can. Obviously, there's Bob Sacamano, Lomez... Cousin Jeffrey, those kind of ones as well. But we're trying to find all the unseen characters, yeah, as many try- as we can. We're, we're trying we're- to trying to do an episode that covers them all. I'm sure there's at least one or two that we're missing. Yeah, because I think the way we're going with the what's the deals, I think it'll probably be the last one. Yeah, because we, we're running out of major major secondaries. secondaries. Yeah, so I think this will be the last one. We might as well go out with a bang. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, do all yeah, of them. That's right. And then next or the week after that will be our hundredth episode. Yeah, we're doing the marine biologist. Can't wait. I know it's going to be amazing. Anyway, Steve, what do you reckon? We'll take one last break and then we'll find out where the cafe sits in our episodes of all time and if any of the secondary characters make the top 20 sure all right we'll be right back here you go how did you do piece of cake <laughs> what happened to the test what oh, i spilled some food on it <laughs> food? what food what are you talking about 
Where did you get food? From my pocket. Your pocket? I, uh, I had a sandwich in my pocket. And coffee? Yeah, had some coffee. Yeah. Where did you get the coffee? Where did I get the coffee? Where do you think I got the coffee? At the grocery store. How did you get there? I walked. How did you get out of the apartment? I didn't see you leave. I climbed out the window. You climbed out the window? Of course. Why didn't you go out the door? The door? Welcome back to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. It is episode 98 of our podcast, and we have talked about the secondary characters from The Cafe from season three. So, Stephen, out of the 80, that's right, eight zero episodes we have reviewed so far, and it's secondaries, where does The Cafe sit? Is it a dream, or is it shutting down? Uh, it's staying open. Okay, that's but, good. But uh, it's not... Um it's not making a lot of money. Okay. It's just breaking even. It's All right. It, it sits at number 30. 30? Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So not too bad. Same for me, 31. Okay. Well, very similar. Yeah, 31. I actually found it to be a really enjoyable episode. Yeah. There's no weak moments no. as far as I'm concerned. It was quite good. Quite enjoyable. I know there's a lot of misses in season three, which aren't as good, but there's a lot of classics. And uh, yeah, this one is a very underrated episode. For sure. Yeah. I think it's great. And uh, Babu's debut, I think it's fantastic. I think it was his best performance, Brian George. Yeah, no, yeah. I like all of the all of the core four storylines. They mm. uh, all intersect at the end in a very nice way. They do, yeah. Um, it doesn't seem too far fetched. Like sometimes A, B, and C, and sometimes D plots when they all sort of merge together at the end can seem a bit of a stretch. Yeah, like yeah. there always seems like there's a bit missing or like ah, oh, it seems a bit forced. Yeah, but they're all good. Yeah, but the fact that uh, a simple sequence of events leads to you know, George being found out mm-hmm. and Elaine not being able to do the test. And then Kramer, Kramer losing, his jacket, losing his jacket and Babu yeah. shutting down the restaurant. Yeah, it all works. Yeah, and it's all really to do with Kramer coming in and disturbing Elaine and then that causes a snowball effect and it doesn't seem too too much of a stretch. No. I like it. It seems possible. Yeah. Um, What about your top 20 secondary characters? Do any of them make your 20? No. I really do like Babu. He's yeah. awesome. I mean, he's classic for a reason. Uh, but yeah, not enough to make my top 10 or 20. Fair enough. Originally, when we did What's the Deal with Babu, I didn't have him in my top 20 either. But after watching this episode, I really loved his dynamics. I loved when he was so hospitable and warm to Jerry at the start and open to ideas. And then you see him right at the end and he's like Mr. Hyde. He's just callous. He's bitter. He's broken. And uh, yeah, he's just, he's he just, and his restaurant shuts down and he just snaps. Yep. When uh, Jerry mentions the shrimp. I've put him, I've actually entered him into my top 20 at uh, number 18. Okay. So, who gets eliminated? Uh, Maura is uh, George's episode girlfriend from The Strong Box, right. which we did last year. Yep. So, yeah, she's out of my top 20 now. Okay. So, yeah, there you go. Bubble Butt, number 18. Interesting. Yes. I that, thought, why not? Yeah. Mm. That is it for another week of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to email us, you can at bidwabasp, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C podcast at gmail.com. You can sell it, say hello on Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, uh, or Twitter um, if you want to talk to us or yeah. hate us or say like us or whatever. whatever. Say hello. Yeah. Uh, you can check us out on any podcast service. Uh, if you want to rate us or review us or tell people about us, that would be amazing. And finally, we are on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. So if you want to support us, you could donate various dollars per month mm-hmm. uh, to get various goodies per month. That's right. And for $2 plus m- per month subscribers, uh, you have a new bonus episode that's just come out. It is our top five Seinfeld special guests who played themselves on the show. So awesome. we give our top five and uh, yeah, we talk about them. So if you want to listen to that, you have to be a Patreon subscriber for $2 or more a month. So yeah, go to our Patreon page and sign up if you want. Nice. 
Lewis. Great. My name's Ivan. I'm Stephen. And next week, it is our possibly our final What's the Deal with episode ever, uh, the unseen characters. So we'll talk about guys like Bob Zaccomano, Cousin Jeffrey, Lomez, and a few other minor characters, like the angry man who was in today's episode. Can't wait. Yeah, that'll be good. Take care, and we'll see you next week. Catch you. Bye. should have seen her face. It was the exact same look my father gave me when I told him I wanted to be a ventriloquist.